This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. He's ready. Hello, America, and uh, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Today, going to come right out of the gate with somebody I cannot wait to hear her story. She has a new book out called Settle for More. Megan Kelly joins us right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program, Megan Kelly. How are you, Megan? Hi, Glenn. It's great to be here. Thank you. Um, I, I, shoot, we have a horrible connection. Can we uh, play with that as we talk? Um, Megan, I, uh, I haven't read your book yet. Just came out yesterday. Just got it actually this morning. Have thumbed through it. Um, I've read some excerpts from it. It's a pretty incredible story. Um, and, and you're ruffling some feathers um, right now in several areas um, can we can we start with with Donald Trump uh, and tell me if I have this story right and this is what you wrote in the book or not? Okay. Um, the Donald Trump story, if if I may share a story, um, I was on your show one day when you were in lockdown. May I go farther than this? You remember this? <laughs> mm, keep going. Okay. Um, and you were having significant security uh, yes. issues and, and real death threats. Your family was uh, under attack, um, and you had never seen anything about it. And I was, I think, maybe in Iowa or Nebraska, and I was waiting for you to uh, come into the studio. You were about an hour late, um, and we had a conversation, and it was a quite frightening time in your life. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that at all? Well, I mean, look, let me just start with this. This book, Settle for More, is about my life and my values, which I think are not just mine, but American values, at least used to be. Right? I don't know about today's day and age and these kids. Um, but <laughs> one of the things that you'll see throughout the book is that I think adversity is an opportunity uh, yes. to grow and become stronger. And I can certainly say that my year of Trump, as I describe it in the book, has done that for me. <laughs> and it, it has been a difficult year in many ways. I mean, in particular, the security scares were bad and really unacceptable. No, no journalist should have to go through that just to cover a Nobody candidate. Nobody should. Yes. Um, but I dealt with it, and I think I actually now have a bit of a blueprint for others potentially on how to deal with it. And I hope that when people close this book, they will understand that, you know, I I think you can grow if hard times come your way, and it's an opportunity to evolve. And as far as Trump and I go, um, I think we're in a better place now. 
can I, may I pursue this because of, of what was printed in the New York Times about what you wrote? And again, I'm sorry, I have not read the book. I just got it this morning. Um, but what the New York Times, I know, the New York Times um, spun this as what you were saying in the book was you knew that no one was going to come to your rescue. No one was standing by you. Uh, I don't necessarily want to get into this, but I have been shocked and horrified um, at the way you have been treated by several people, um, and no one stood by you. Um, but you, the New York Times made it seem that no one was going to stand up for you, and so you had to solve it. And basically, the way I read it from the Times is you had to go kiss his ring and make it go away and make it stop. So that's not exactly right. Um, okay. I did have people stand up for me, and just so your listeners know, you were one of them. And, that, you know, this is, I'm sure, knowing you, not something you talk about, but just so everybody knows, Glenn would write me the kindest, most supportive, uplifting messages in the darkest days that, you know, offered to help and offered to do anything he could and expressed, of course, genuine concern. And just, you were such a gentleman throughout, Glenn, and I just want to make Thank a you, record of that for people. Um, but what had happened with Trump was he, he was relentless. You know, he just couldn't let it go. And the book documents how in the initial days after that August debate, I understood he was angry. And I, I understood why. It was definitely a tough question for him. I don't regret it, but he was new to the game. All these other guys were seasoned politicians, and he's up there like, hey, I'm here to get you ratings. And then it all of a sudden it's a punch in the face. And he's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> right? So I understood his initial anger, but I didn't really understand how he couldn't let it go. My point is, Roger Ailes did try to stand Trump down many times, but he was unsuccessful. And Sean Hannity, who is tight with Trump, tried to stand Trump down many times, but he was unsuccessful. He, Hannity was successful in getting some more talk radio guys to sort of, you know, n- not gin up so much hatred at a time when I, I was under serious threat and I was, you know, having to live my life with bodyguards, which is not how a journalist normally lives or should have to live. Yeah. And so I did have some support, but it just wasn't working. You know, it was like they were trying, but it wasn't working. And, and after nine months of it, Glenn, and the book sort of documents, I just every time I would think it was over, it, it wasn't over. And I'm just talking about, you know, nasty tweets that we've all been subjected to that. That's I'm a big girl. I can take it. It was the torrent of nastiness that those would unleash in my life and of threats. I mean, real security threats and people coming to my home and on my doorstep threatening and screaming obscenities at me on the street in front of my children Mm. and not being able to go anywhere without an armed guard, Uh, including Disney World. I mean, it was just like, what the hell is going on here because of a debate question? So in April, memory serves, of 2016, it dawned on me that Trump was never going to let this go, that he was enjoying the storyline and that that meant it would be up to me to write an ending to it. And I knew if I could get in front of him, he would stop. Uh, And there was no apology. I mean, I wasn't, he wanted an apology from me for my debate question. That wasn't happening. I didn't want an apology from him, but we had always had a good relationship. So I knew if I could get in there and sit down with him and just talk, we would be okay and he would stop. And that's what happened. There is a theme um, that is going on in the country today, and it's whether or not 
Um, you know, we for years have been told to stop bullying, and what that has meant in the past is no kids, you cannot play dodgeball anymore because you might get hit in the face. There's a difference between the bullying that has been, um, that, you know, that the left has been saying has happened and real bullying. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have have seen your share of it um, as, you know, the bullying that was happening um, with Donald Trump, the bullying that was happening with Roger Ailes, and it seems as though the country doesn't necessarily care all that much on either side. Is, is that right? Is that how you're feeling? Well, first of all, I know that you have experienced this yourself because there's just something about the way some of Trump's supporters march to the beat of his drum that whenever he sends out a negative message about somebody, it really does wreak havoc in that person's life. And I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it. Eric Erickson has written about it. Um, you know, he got some just terrible death threats to his family. Yeah. And I know you've sub- been subjected to some of that, too, just for being a Trump critic, which is yeah, it's America. We, we have dissenting points of view. You know, we as journalists are supposed to be skeptical in our coverage. Um, but, yes, I, I do draw a distinction, though, between bullying which my book, Settle for More, talks all about I have had real experience with. I had a brutal seventh grade year in which my group of friends in, all turned against me, and I was in tears for much of the year and very, very alone with no friends. And it was hard. You know, this is 1983 when you didn't have helicopter parents intervening at every turn. Um, but it does teach you a thing or two. Why did they, and, why did they turn against you at seven? Who why, the hell why, knows? Did, why, is that in, why was that an important story to tell? Well, first of all, who knows, right? These are 12-year-old girls who are just, you know, those are, can be the meanest zombies you ever <laughs> Terrible. I have, found, I have to tell you, I have found that women, uh, some of the meanest tweets, some of the meanest Facebook posts, and some of the meanest emails I've received, I'll read them and say, this guy is out of control, <laughs> and it will be signed by a woman. I mean, women are nasty at times. Yeah, we can give as good as we get. And, you know, it all begins <laughs> and then in the seventh grade, Glenn. That is, I mean, you can learn a lot about life in the seventh grade. And, um, you know, in the book, I tell this story about, just to take a step back on the bullying, but in the book, I tell this story about how it culminated in, because I used to be popular, and then Sunday, suddenly one day this group, they just turned on me and I had no friends. And they would, you know, flick the spitballs at me and try to trip me in the hall. I used to be overweight. I used to have bad skin. They would make fun of every vulnerability. Wow. And then one Boy, night I was wait. at home. It was a Saturday night. Must the be fun going. The most popular girl was having a big party. And I was home alone with my parents. And my phone rang. I said, hello. And she said, you know, it's me. She said, do you know where all the people are from my party? And I said, no. And they all screamed into the phone, we're here. Oh, my God. And they hung up. I hung up the phone in front of my parents who didn't know what had just happened. I lied and told them it was a wrong number. And I went out in my backyard, which had iced over. This is upstate New York, Albany suburb. And there was snow on the ground that had iced over in my sneakers. I went out there, Glenn, and I, I put my hands in my pockets, and I sort of skated across the ice in the darkness with tears streaming down my face. And I can 
remember it to this day, you know, just that feeling of ostracization and loneliness and just deep sadness and the desire to connect and feel like you belong. And so, you know, those scars, they take a long time to heal. And the truth is it took me some 20 years before I even really realized what they had done to me, what, what that year had done to me as a person. Uh, so I do take bullying very seriously. And when, when Donald Trump began to act up, again, in the, in the initial phases, it was like, okay, it's a politician who's unhappy with me. I, I'm ex- experienced in that. But when it was so relentless, um, I, I knew I was not going to submit. You know, bu- actual bullying is, is intimidation designed to get a certain effect, yeah. you know, to have a certain effect. They're looking for compliance, right, to, to cow you. And, and Donald Trump never managed to do that with me. I, I covered him without fear or favor every day of that campaign. And so I feel like it was an attempted bullying, but not an actual bullying, right, because there was no submission. Um, but I will say this. When I came out of the bullying and over the years and thinking about it, I did realize that in dealing with a bully in general – uh, the best course is to send the bully a message that he's nothing to you, right? That there's the good me when you raise a child, the bad me. If you, if you don't pay positive attention to your child, he'll act out badly. And if you don't pay attention to that, the worst thing that you could do to a child is send them the not me message. And I think when you're dealing with a bully, the not me message is the best message you can send. And I think it really irritated Donald Trump over, over the months that I would not respond to him. Uh, but I think that's a, a proven course for how to handle, as an adult, someone who's trying to push you around. Megan, I have uh, talked to several people um, who have expressed the uh, feeling of uh, this is not the ending. And it's not, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has everything to do with the way our society is going and the economy and world affairs. If we don't turn a a corner here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who are saying, I, I want to stand, but uh, it's, it's lonely. It is really, really lonely. And I don't know if I can do it. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what have you learned from truly standing almost alone? Or you had to have felt pretty alone, even though you did have some people back. I'm glad to hear some of the Fox people were backing you behind the scenes. Well, I don't define myself by politics or this job or just my identity as a news anchor. And that's been key to everything for me. And, you know, in in this book, you know, I talk about what, what a piece of advice that was given to me long ago by one of my first law bosses when I was practicing law, which was in times of trouble, remember who you are. And what does that mean? It means what defines you? You know, who are you? Am I, am I Megyn Kelly news anchor? Well, that's something I do, but it's not who I am. You know, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm a person, a woman, a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister. You know, those are the things when I think about who I am, I think about those people who made me those things and the influence they've had on my life and the times we've shared together and the laughter and the tears and those are the things that are important to me and that if I ever were, God forbid, to lose, would change who I am, you know, would 
deeply affect me in ways I couldn't change back. Not this job, not, you know, who's even in the Oval Office, Glenn. And I think that people should hold on to that because they, they can try to bully you. They can say mean things about you, but they can't change your soul unless you let them. And for me, I feel like you hold on to your integrity, you hold on to your ethics and who you are, which is, of course, really what you do behind closed doors when no one's looking, and you hold on to what you, what you hold most dear in this world. And those things don't tend to change, and they certainly aren't dictated by the Internet or anything anybody says in a public forum. And you'll be good. You know, just keep redirecting yourself to that stuff, remembering who you are, and you'll be good. The name of the book is Settle for More by Megan Kelly. It is out today. Megan, I'd like to, to read the book, and then when things slow down for you, I would like to have you back and talk a little more because I think you are one of the more fascinating people um, uh, in the media today and uh, somebody who actually really tries to be fair and to get it right, and I appreciate that. Thanks, Megan, man. thank you. We'll talk to All you again. Done. Settle okay. for More is the name of the book by Megan Kelly. Back in just a second. Our sponsor this half hour is Simply Safe. Are you able to see what is happening uh, at your home when you are gone, when you're on vacation, when you are going to grandma's house through the woods and over the hills uh, for, for um, Thanksgiving dinner? This is the time when home burglaries really start to skyrocket. And that is because the holidays are coming. People need extra cash or criminals know that you've got extra stuff at your house. Home security is really important and Simply Safe, I think, is the best new kind of home security that, that actually frees you. It doesn't tie you up to a long-term contract. And now they have brand new uh, cameras, Simply Safe security cameras. They connect wirelessly to the sensors in your Simply Safe alarm. So if it detects a door opening, a window opening, a window breaking, somebody trying to get into the house, the camera automatically records everything. So it calls the police, alerts the camera to turn on. It turns it on. It records it. So when the police come, you have the evidence of exactly what happened. You can see everything now that is happening in your home. Go to simplysafebeck.com right now. Check out their new cameras today. Simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Stream the show live on iHeartRadio or listen later on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. What I wanted to say to Megan uh, was uh, I would love to be a fly in the wall at your uh, high school reunion. Talk about (laughs) nice revenge. Oh, my gosh. She's the most beautiful woman in the world, one of them. Can you name somebody that you think is... Well, and, and after being tortured by, you know, seventh graders, uh, to go to that level. And you know she wouldn't do it, but how tempting would it be to call up and say... 
Hey, you know where all the uh, <laughs> drooling men are? <laughs> here! Oh, here. <laughs> oh, and I've got 20 million big ones. <laughs> I mean, she wouldn't do it, which would make petty people hate her even more. Because she's just, I don't think she's like that. It would be a satisfying moment. I'm oh, sure. it would be. Maybe that's in the book. We haven't got through the whole book yet. Maybe towards the end, she's like, by the way, I called those seventh <laughs> bees back and I can yeah. tell them a lesson. Yeah. She's fascinating. She's really fascinating. I mean, it's just she a matter is. that, you know, this is, it's weird because these things turn from uh, little cable news spats and, and things like that into history. I mean, you know, Donald Trump's oh. the president of the United States in a few couple no, of this months. is all... This is all history now. This is all history. This is stuff that gets worked into the, the ridiculously long presidential biography that people will be reading in 30 or 40 years. It's, yeah. it's amazing that we're all going through that. Yeah. And she is a huge part of it. It had to be crazy. Hmm. It's almost like we all should have been keeping diaries because history is being written and this time period will be re- uh, remembered... And it's only going to get more important as we move forward. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep. And I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. Time Magazine named Casper mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine. And they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, You're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep. Casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. $50 off the purchase of your mattress at Casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com slash Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. Neil Gabler has uh, written a uh, an article. It says farewell, America. No matter how much, how the rest of the world looked at us on November seventh, they will now look at us differently. He says America died on November eighth. Try to take your blood pressure medicine right now, please. America died on November 8th, not with a bang or a whimper, but by its own hand via the electoral suicide. We, the people, chose a man who has shredded our values, our morals, our compassion, our tolerance, our decency, our sense of common purposes, uh, our, our very identity. All of the things that, however, tenuously made our nation out of uh, um, made a, a nation out of a country. Whatever place we now live in is the same, not the same place as it was November 7th. No matter how the rest of the world looked at us on November 7th, they will now look at us differently. We're likely to be a pariah country, and we're lost for it. 
As I survey the ruin of the country this gray Wednesday morning, I found very uh, found weary consolation uh, in a poem. Blah blah blah. I'm going to skip the poem. Uh, you can read it. It's odd and. Um, This generally has been called the hate election because everyone professed to hate both candidates. It turned out to be the hate election because, and let's not mince words, of the hatefulness of the electorate. In the years to come, we will brace for violence, the anger, the racism, the misogyny, the xenophobia, the nativism, the white sense of grievance that will undoubtedly be unleashed now that we have destroyed the values that have bound us. We all knew these hatreds lurked under the thinnest veneer of civility. That civility is finally gone, and in its absence, we may realize how imperative that uh, politeness was. It is the way we manage to coexist. If there is a single sentence that characterizes this election, it is this. He says the things that I am thinking. That may be what is most terrifying. Who knew that so many tens of millions of white Americans were thinking unconscionable things about their fellow Americans? Who knew that the tens of millions of white men felt so emasculated by women and challenged by minorities? Who knew that after years of uh, seeming progress on race, gender, tens of millions of white Americans lived in seething resentment, waiting for the demagogue to arrive who would legitimize their worst selves and channel them into political power? Perhaps we have been living in a fool's paradise, and now we aren't. May I just say this to Neil and anyone who feels that way? It is terrifying, it is truly terrifying to realize that your neighbors don't believe everything you do. In 2008, we could not believe the headlines, we're all socialists now. We could not believe so many people would vote for clearly Marxist um, uh, uh, platforms. We could not believe that people who were involved in communist and radical revolutions of the 60s, who had not changed their point of view, were now being held up by people in the highest um, seats of power. Now, we could have. We could have looked at Occupy Wall Street and decided that every single college student in America was a dirtbag. But we didn't. We could have looked at the Bundy's standoff and said that um, every NRA member should be stripped of their Second Amendment rights because they're all out-of-control terrorists. But we didn't. We could have looked at Black Lives Matter and said, wow, who knew that the black man underneath a thin veneer was seething resentment and hatred and wanted to kill every police officer. But we didn't. We didn't. We could have. Some wanted to. Some may even have. But the vast majority of Americans did not. The vast majority of Americans are saying, wait, I can't believe what has happened to our country, to where we are tolerating people in the press is tolerating people and our president is tolerating people saying, kill the cops. But we didn't make it. We didn't make it about everyone who disagreed with us. And when we did, 
We were wrong. We were wrong to do it. We won't make it if the press and those on the right don't see what we now understand. People did not vote for hatred. Some did. But I'll bet you that is less than 1%. And no more than 5%. Those people who are truly engaged in the Klan, white nationalism, uh, white power, all of that, just like it's 1% of the left that wants a Marxist revolution in America and would, would round up all the white people because they want their own separate nation. We, we're being held hostage by the fringes of our society. And what's happening to us? We're being ginned up by our own press. Why? Because hatred sells. Because anger sells. We're being told not to listen to each other. That if you even sit down with the other side, you're a traitor. And, and to the people on the left, if you don't think that's happening, how many people... Have you heard in your own circle saying, I'm so mad at CNN for putting Glenn Beck on? Because Glenn Beck, he's, he's part of the problem. He's a hater. He's trying to whatever, fill in the blank. You're a traitor and a danger to your people by sitting down with someone who is trying to say, let's stop this right now. Please, let's stop this. And the same with my side. I sit down with the New York Times who honestly says to me, I can't, I can only take them at their word. I can also not be stupid and know that there's a chance they're not going to do this. But they sit down and say, okay, we have become this left-wing thing and there's no good that comes out of that. We need to understand your side. Okay. Good. So here's what I've learned. That the vast majority of people in America on both sides right now are afraid. And when people are afraid, that's when demagogues come from both sides. Look at what's being said right now. You are being pushed. The left is being pushed in one of two ways. I think the wise are coming to the table and they're saying, you know what, maybe we we need to sit down. I got a great email from somebody last night who is on the left and said, I have never agreed with anything you've ever said, ever. But I heard you speak. And while I disagree with X, Y, and Z, it's made me look at our side You know what? You're right. We were doing these things. We are doing these things right now. And they're the things that we accused you guys of doing. Yes. Yes. 
There is no reason why a president should be able to make half the country afraid. It's why I said in November of 2008, Democrats, be careful how far you push the pendulum. We pushed the pendulum so far to red, white, and blue, the Patriot Act. You're either with us or you're our enemy. We pushed it so far to the patriotic right that it means that the flag meant nothing but republicanism. That when it swung back, it swung back to a guy who didn't even want to wear a lapel, a flag lapel pin, and really didn't, really was ashamed of America and went on an apology tour. Now the pendulum has swung back the other way. Please, to those on the right, do not swing it. Please moderate. And to those on the left, please learn from what you just went through. And this is what you should learn. What I said in 2008 is, don't push the pendulum. And all the way through Barack Obama's presidency, I said, dismantle things like the IRS. Dismantle the office of the president from being a a, a monarchy. You don't want the president to be able to sign executive order after executive order after executive order and change the very nature of our country. Congress has to fight for its power back. You didn't want to hear it because your guy was in charge. And I said, there's going to come a time when you lose power. And when you lose power, you won't like this when it's done against you. And most likely our side will cheer. And suddenly we'll be for it. And we'll have to say, no, don't be for it because you too are going to lose the office. And you won't like what will happen when they're in power. We keep injuring one another. And eventually, someone is going to figure this out at the top and they're going to say, you know what, nobody else is going to get the power. There will be an event and that person, whoever it is, right or left, will just seize power and say, that's it. We must understand California. You have every right to be who you want to be. You have every right to be who you want to be. But you have the responsibility to pay for it yourself. Texas, same thing with you. You have every right to be who you want to be. When the president yesterday spoke of globalism and nationalism, this is what he missed. When we say globalism, we don't want globalism. It doesn't mean we don't want to trade with our neighbors. Now, nationalists, true, populist nationalists from the alt-right... They don't want any of that. They want isolationism. The average person doesn't. We want a fair shake. We want a fair deal. But we also want our uniqueness. We want to be able to say, hey, America's a pretty great place. And if it wasn't, people wouldn't be coming across our borders to to live here. It's a pretty great place. And Canadians can say, you know what? I love Canada. It's a pretty great place. And Germans can say, I love Germany. No, I'm not Europe. I'm German. We are all unique. God gave us all fingerprints. And as nations, all of those millions of fingerprints 
shape something unique. We don't want to all be the same. But that doesn't mean we want to be isolationists. And that's what people are missing. The the middle ground is let people be who they are. Let state, let people be who they are. Let people choose their own religion, their own lifestyle, their own partner in marriage. Let them choose themselves. Let businesses choose the way to do business and pay the full ramifications of their choices. Either reap the rewards or reap the losses. Countries and states need to be who they are and reap the rewards or the losses. That's that's all that people are saying right now. And that's something that we should all be able to generally agree on. We, we said a million times about the warning. We should go over this more about the warning of you pass all these executive power levels yes. levers for Barack Obama. You're going to hate it when someone else gets control of that. We should talk about that whole because that's coming uh, it and it's going to feel really good sometimes. Change is coming. However, how we prepare for it is what's most important. The financial bubble that burst, the confrontations with Russia, China, ISIS, riots on the streets. If your family member is out of work for a while, I don't know what's coming. But this, is, this was not the end of it. This is the end of the beginning of it. I want to urge you to get a one-year emergency food supply. Take the fear out of your own life. For uh, $997, this is usually about $1,800, bucks. for $997, you can get one year's worth of food. That's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a year. For a family of four, that's three full months of every meal covered for $997, about half off. Call 800-946-2325, 800-946-2325, or go to preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. here today. Welcome to the uh, program. It was an interesting conversation with Megan Kelly uh, earlier today. Yes, it was. Uh, we started the uh, first hour. It was nice to hear um, her say that, and I have not heard this anywhere else, uh, that Sean Hannity behind the scenes was trying to rally talk radio um, and her uh, defense. taking on the Trump campaign. Yeah, from the back on down. Very good. Really, I mean, that's obviously he, he, he's a fan of Trump, and but I mean, to do that is a really, I mean, that's a really cool thing to do for someone you work with. So, I mean, uh, he yep. deserves credit for that. I hate, I don't like watching uh, the news, especially two of my friends, Megyn Kelly and Bill O'Reilly. I like both of them. I like both of them. Um, I don't like my friends being at war with each other. You know, and it was nice to hear that not all of that is true. That what you might be reading in the papers or whatever, not all of that is true. And to come from Megan herself is very nice. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. And welcome to the program. As a guy who said Donald Trump, he doesn't have any local offices in Florida. He he doesn't have a team on the ground. He how is this possibly going to work? As a guy who said that, let me just say to the rest of the press: Will you please stop with this? Is in disarray. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't have the appointment. He obviously won without doing it the traditional way. I think maybe we should wait and see. After all, only George W. Bush since Nixon had named anyone to his cabinet at this point. He's not far behind. In fact, he's ahead of every other president at this time. What I'm concerned about is how the left is making real critical errors by calling people on the right racists. Yes, racism exists. It does exist. The alt-right is real, and you need to pay attention to that. But that is not who voted for Donald Trump. That is not 99% of the Trump voters. And quite honestly, the media, if they don't watch themselves, they're going to make this much, much worse for all of us. Mary Matlin was on uh, uh, This Week with George Stephanopoulos and Van Jones talked about White Lash. It was not pretty. She's here to talk about it right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn I stand by it. I said uh, that race was a part. And there was a part, that alt-right part, there was a part of a white lash. And, and if you listen to the whole quote, you would agree with what I said. So, so I don't take that back. But I, I did listen. And then you said, good. what do I tell the kids? What and, I would and, tell and, your and kids, I, and, I'm a black man in America who went to Yale, who's and, written books, who served and, a and president, I'm a, and, and, and I'm a ninth-generation American man, and I'm the first one in my family born with all my rights. I'm a ninth-generation American. And so we have not escaped because I went to Yale. You should all not the be a racial polemicist. You should be a racial reconciler. You should be say that to me to my face. I've spent more time would in this I say country it behind your trying, back would be better? Hold on a second. I've spent more time than you have trying to be a racial reconciler in this country. Really? And, and How do you know that? Oh, do you know well, anything, well, is a a cute, do you know anything about me? I, well, do you, you apparently don't know anything about me. And yes, I, I'm, I do I'm, know. I'm your daddy, you your grandparents were teachers, so, your dad, your grandfather was a bishop. George, this is the problem that we have right now. It was ugly, and it went to the break ugly. And Mary Matlin is with us now. Hi, Mary. How are you? 
just trying to make America great again. Good morning, yeah. my friend. <laughs> so, Mary, I, I saw this, and, and, you know, Van Jones, who I, I don't trust, I, I know his history, and maybe he has changed, and um, I was quietly watching him, uh, and he took a very conciliatory tone until his side lost. And then the minute it lost, he went right for we're a racist nation. Um, and, right. Uh, and I, right. I was uh, and uh, to me, the proof was in the pudding there, um, because that is a very dangerous place to go now. You know what? I two things got me having spent 40 years doing this. There's a big difference between a clever polemicist and a good analysis analyst van is neither he is so overrated and he's got this perch this cushy perch on a premier cable network and he's spewing this venom which by the way i expected that's really not what i was reacting to what i was reacting to it got me riled up is that when he's on election night he goes what do we tell the kids i said what do you tell the kids god bless america what do i tell my kids who every day are besieged on social media, which is where kids live, saying their mother's a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, a xenophobe, a misogynist, a, a planet destroyer. Of course, they know me, and they know none of that's true, but they it's horrible. So I, so I want to say, what do I tell my kids? I'm very – and then the other killer was Katrina saying, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's how I treated my kids who were more logical and less whiny in kindergarten than those two were. It was just so, you know what, I don't even want to go there because it's, it, it goes to where you just started. Let me tell you something about transitions. In 2000, we started our transition out of Dick Cheney's kitchen. We had his ball phone and his daughter's princess phone. Okay, so We had like 20 <laughs> days to do it. Transitions are always like this. And what they're doing is what you alluded to. They have, are still detached. And they, so the question of the day is, how does Donald Trump regain the narrative? He is the narrative. Love him, hate him, vote for him, not vote for him. The narrative is you lost. You lost millions of Americans. You lost the narrative when you gave up on America. So that's what I'm that's what's getting me riled up. That we're just back to the same old place after these successive tsunami elections where America was sending a loud and clear message to Washington, not in every jot and tittle of Donald Trump's policies exactly, but certainly in in besiegingly, please pay attention to us. We cannot afford this health care. We cannot afford a life where the cost of everything is going up and the value of everything we've earned and saved is is going down. How could they keep missing this message and, and, and now persisting and going back to the same old, same old? Anybody who disagrees with them is every form of bigot that you can think of. It's, it's you know I, what, I, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm not I know sure. you don't care about this. I'm going back to football. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you this, Mary. I'm not sure that um, the American people are pushing back on uh, Washington as much as they are pushing back on the narrative from the press. Uh, the, the you know when they said we can't we can't afford this, 
they know that the press was the one that pushed this through um, and and helped cover all of the things that logical people were saying, look, this is this can't last. This doesn't make any sense. This this is made to self-destruct within 10 years. We're there. They said that wasn't true. And now they won't even admit that it that it. Wow, we were wrong. And so if if no one ever says, hey, I was wrong, I made a mistake. They just keep piling on the same BS, the same BS. It's not going to end well. Well, it is going to end well because this is a country founded on the virtuous citizen and is revealed that the virtuous citizen still lives. Two points. Forget the the lying about the policy, as the press has done. What got to people was being ridiculed for their views and being yes. silenced for holding those views yes. by by either by flat-out ridicule, you're racist, or by heavy-handed rules, sticking the IRS and such after him. And I was wrong on, on one very, very important thing. I've been complaining about the lack of action from the majorities, the Republican majorities. Well, guess what? While we were all whining about what wussies they were, they passed repeal and replace and reform health care 50 times and through the Senate. So now they're ready to hit the ground running. They know and have identified and have legislation prepared to roll back those executive orders on environmental and labor overreaches. They also know how to do uh, uh, advanced regulatory reform, tax reform, budget reform. They've been doing all that. Well, a lot of us, including me, were flapping our jaws about how much they're not getting done. I I have not been this excited about the possibility of resetting to get back on the path that led us to the kind of country that we all love and revere than I've ever been, ever. And I mean, I've been doing this since Reagan, since before Reagan. This is wait, really good. Are you saying we to have- me, you, wait, 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 wait. This is, this, is, uh, this is news. Are you saying to me, as somebody who is with Reagan, that you are more excited for the Donald Trump presidency than Ronald Reagan's presidency? No, I'm not. I'm saying I'm excited for the country because the country has filled not only the Congress and the Senate with people who think like you and I do, though they have been silenced, too. Okay, but they still continued their work. We have also filled the state houses and the state, the gubernatorial mansions and the state legislative chambers with right-thinking people. And I don't mean right-left. I mean constructive, common-sense, practical, outcome-based policymakers. Do you know this president? I know you know this because you talk about it all the time. He decimated the party. He lost 14 senators, 62 House seats. He lost thousands of legislators across the country in, in combined legislative chambers. That is the path to the future. I'm not saying that, that I'm not making a presidential comparison. I'm making a policy paradigm shift away from what America wasn't, isn't, never was, but was being force-fed to them, and back to where what they really are, which is common sense, constructive, you can call it conservative, libertarian, center right, whatever you want to call it. The point is, does it work? Let's do it. If it doesn't work, let's not do it. You can be a Democrat 
and have that frame of reference. That's what we've done in New Orleans. This is a majority Democrat, and it's a majority-minority city, and we're getting it done. Guess what we're basing, basing on our, our reforms on? Is it working? Okay, let's do it. Is it not working? Then shut it down. That's how, you, that's how we run our families. That's how you run your business, right? What have you, you've been through all sorts of transitions. You've got to go with what works. And, and what, ha, what works in a representative republic is virtuous citizens doing virtuous acts and, on, and using common sense. So that's what I'm excited about. And you know what? No president is, can overcome that, and he can't undermine that. Mary, tell me about the appointments that you have seen. Um, Donald Trump is not an interventionist. He says, you know, he was against the Iraq war. He doesn't want to be fighting all of these. He's, he's alluded that, you know, um, uh, that he's not even a real big fan of NATO, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, and yet he is going between Rudy Giuliani and um, John Bolton. I don't even think those two are the same. But John Bolton, who I'm a fan of, is right. uh, strong in the policies that we have had under the Bush administration. What, uh, how, what, what, what are you what? learning from his appointments on what Donald Trump is really going to do? Well, most of his appointments are being described or characterized by the same press who calls everybody implicitly that disagrees with them a racist. I like John Bolton. I worked with John Bolton. I published John Bolton's book. I will tell you this, at, since 9-11, and you know I was in the bunker on 9-11, we have tried, we had to pivot off the previous geopolitical strategy of stability and deterrence and all that to a new paradigm. We're not there yet, but we know the kind of America policing the world not to use the old language. Yeah, we yeah, can't yeah. be everywhere. So we have to have a new paradigm, and there's nobody better suited to pursue a paradigm that is predicated on weakness. Uh, weakness invites provocation. Yes. You know, peace through strength. That really is what Bolton is, and that is what Giuliani is, and that does not mean massive, ubiquitous intervention. It means a kind of real politic based on borderless states with asymmetrical warriors. That's a different national security strategy. It's a different uh, security strategy, one that will be easier for us to pursue if we could get our act together because we're not, we're not, uh, it's not, it won't have to be predicated on energy, since we now don't need the world's energy. We can make our own energy. And we also have information age technology. If we would employ it, harness yeah. it with the government in the way that the, every other sector of the economy has, we're pretty positioned to do that. So I'm not, I like his uh, people that he's talking about so far. And I also, and I listened to Steve yesterday, whom I adore. I love that man. It really is great. But everybody's wrong about Reince Priebus in the sense that most people who are weighing in on this have not I've worked in a White House. Reince Priebus is going to be an Andy card, make the trains work on time, chief of staff. And somebody has to make the trains work on time. So 
Great. Let's go make America great again. It doesn't. It's not about him. It's about us, Glenn. It's about us, Glenn. And can I say go thanks for Keith? <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Mary, thank you so much. Mary Madeline. Um, uh, let me tell you about our sponsor of this half hour. I just love her. She, she, she listens every day, and I just love her. She's so smart. Um, if Trump nullifies the Iranian deal and sanctions are reimposed, will the Iranian oil sales to Europe stop? And the result be a substantial rise in oil prices. How about the Fed? The Fed says they're going to raise uh, interest rates in December. What about large tariffs on imported goods? What happens to the price of products that you purchase? Already, inflation is running faster than the Fed's target, and that's why they're talking about now maybe we need to rein some of this in. I don't know how they do it. Nobody I know knows how they're going to be able to pull this one off. When times are uncertain, gold always goes through the roof. Um, I don't buy it as an investment. I buy it as something that I will have for generations in my family and hopefully will never have to spend it. I have it as an insurance policy in the case the world goes mad. Well, gee, think about the world in 2005. If I would have described this world, you would say, Glenn, that would be an insane asylum. Well, here we are, guys. 866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE. Read their important risk information. Find out if gold or silver is right for you. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. program i wish we could just uh, you know maybe this maybe it's just our job maybe it's just all of our job to just say enough is enough um this this you know what problem is i think the 24-hour news cycle the 24-hour news cycle that has to fill with something and has to fill with something exciting Mm -hmm. and so now the way to fill that time i think is with, with chaos turmoil yeah, I mean, you really look at the the Trump story. So I was, I just swore, I've sworn off the Donald Trump's transition is in turmoil stories. Yeah, it's going to be figured out. You know, we we uh, did we mention this? The uh, Ari Fleischer tweeted this. Um, he was obviously worked on the transition for with Bush, um, and it, they went back and looked at how long it took for different administrations to appoint all these these roles. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's freaking out. How come he's not enlisting these guys? This is turmoil. Everyone's getting fired. No president out of the five previous to Bush had named anyone until at least week five, with the exception of George H.W. Bush, who named a few. But, I mean, almost everybody waited for a month or more before they started naming these major appointments. Now everyone's freaking out that he hasn't named everybody in three days. I mean, give the guy some time. I mean, you know. How about this one? How about this one? Is anybody in CNN, anybody ABC, NBC, CBS, anybody talking about the disarray the Democrats are in? I mean... No, they never do. They never do. Never Where, do. What are the Democrats doing right now? The Democrats don't know what to do. 
Right. They, they were taken completely by surprise, and they lost the House and the Senate and the White House. They sh- they're the ones who should be w- wondering how they're going to win a national election. Right. Who do they yeah. have? Right. they got nobody that anybody cares about. Yeah. What, what, is the, what is their big plan? Yeah. And they're not talking about this. And it, it's frustrating. You know what Anderson Cooper said to me last night? Anderson said, um, Glenn, you know, I just turned on TV the other day. And he said, I saw a psychiatrist on television talking about how do we get past this national grief of losing the election. Oh, yeah, they've opened up at universities. Yeah. He, said, he said, I don't remember anybody on television doing that in 2008. No, they sure didn't. But the good news is Anderson Cooper recognized it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there, there are some that are awake going, wait a minute, guys. You know, I th- I'm figuring things out here. That's Maybe." Great. The American people are right about the media. You know, maybe the American people are right. Maybe we don't look at the center of the country. We just see everything from our own little bubble. Back in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. program i know we started christmas a little bit early but uh i needed it i needed it i had the tree up we already have the tree up in the house we don't have it decorated we're decorating this weekend but i i put the tree up so you're not even pretending thanksgiving is coming (laughs) no we're gonna celebrate thanksgiving around the tree okay i will not put the elf on the shelf yet i draw the line at the elf of the shelf oh yeah i mean he's plus he's got a certain work period he's not gonna go over that you don't want to get into overtime the unions it's going to be an issue those elf unions man it's rough they're rough and i don't have the heart to tell him that your pension is gone I mean, it's going to be lost in the stock market. Oh, totally. Crash. So yeah. everything that Santa has promised you is gone. I saw more uh, houses with Christmas lights yep. on last night driving home than yep. I have seen this early, I think, ever in my life. I don't think we're alone. Yeah, we need, oh. we need a little Christmas Yeah, right this very minute. Thank you, Pat. Well, so I, I think everybody's inspired by the supermoon, which is really cool. That is pretty cool. I, you know what? I don't know if you're joking or not, but I think it is really cool. It is really cool. Yeah. I, I saw it. I couldn't, the, the other night, I'm like, look at the moon. <laughs> it's why, like 40 feet from wait, Texas. Why are you sounding like Jimmy Stewart? I sure did. I thought that's where he was going. I was like, what? I thought that's where he was going. Like, he was going. Like, oh. look, look, look at the moon. <laughs> Throw a lasso around it and pull it in. He's sitting right there on top <laughs> of it. It was close enough to do that. <laughs> the other night. <laughs> Uh, did you see the battle between uh, Maria Bartiromo and uh, Jonathan Gruber? The, oh, that was satisfying. Uh, very satisfying. Mm. Somebody finally challenged this guy in a way oh, that so I it, never see him challenge. If you don't remember, he's the guy who um, was the architect of Obamacare. Mm-hmm. It, it was made to fail. He, he 
pushed it through. He lied about it and then was caught on tape saying, yeah, the American people are so stupid and that worked to our political advantage. Now, here's the interview yesterday on uh, Fox Business. And the fact is, is one of the reasons that economic growth is as low as it is, is because businesses are not hiring workers and not doing activity because of the cost of Obamacare. True. That's a fact. Do you dispute economic growth? Do you dispute? That is absolutely true. Yeah. If your, if your, um, uh, what do you call it? Deductible or your, not your deductible, your copay. Your insurance went up 25 to 75%. The business has that as well. Right. I mean, and it probably went up more for your employer than it did the, for you. The, the insurance that we used to have isn't even available anymore. It's not even available anymore. When I told the insurance companies, okay, well, you got to find was some. such great insurance. It was great insurance. Great insurance. Now it's but, gone. Who suffers? Who suffers? We do. The people that were working hard and had good insurance, I can no longer even buy it. Not that I can't afford to buy it. I can't buy it. It's not available. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So now I can't buy that insurance. When I said, these are the parameters I want to hit, the computer system that they have to look for these insurance programs, they wouldn't even take my parameters. (laughs) They won't even take, you know, uh, no uh, co-payment or no deductible or they won't even take the parameters that we asked for. So I'm being forced to offer things that I don't want. And and what I want is something better. I'm being forced as an employer. And our our employment uh, insurance went up 75%. I spend that almost every year. I mean, so who can afford? I can't hire anybody new. I'm paying for new insurance, and even if I had the money to pay for their salary, I don't have a. I don't have the money to pay for their insurance. That's costing jobs. Costing jobs. Economic growth. Ten years after the financial crisis. Economic growth is the rapidest it's been in eight years. Okay, economic (laughs) growth. We're coming out of a recession. What? What what, what a terrible statement that is. So it's been slow the whole time, and it's only speeding up a little bit now? Yeah. You're, you can't even go into nine years where we were going into the no. recession. Right. Yeah, so best in eight years. It's pretty bad. And Obamacare is irrelevant to economic growth. Please. Oh there God. is no evidence at all. You are making a totally non-facts-based argument. There is no evidence at all that Obamacare has anything to do with economic growth. Jonathan. Wait, hold on. Real quick on that. First of all, you could tell that they're losing this argument because they absolutely were saying it was going to help economic yes. growth when they were trying to pass it. Yes. They kept saying over and over again what a wonderful thing this would be because all these people who kept getting wiped out by loss, no insurance, it, would, it, was, going to, it was going to make the economy rage if you when they were selling it to us. Nancy Pelosi's claim of 400,000 jobs immediately and I believe 4 million eventually. Yeah. Within 10 years. Remember that? Wow. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. And, I yeah. mean, and now it has nothing to do with economic growth. Right. That's how far they've moved on this. Of course. Yeah. Four um, million jobs to zero. And by the way, this isn't, he's not doing this on, you know, Good Morning America. He's doing this on a business channel. Yeah. So he's trying to sell this lie to people who watch who are on Wall Street, people who watch who are on business, who run businesses, and they're like, who know this better. guy doesn't even know what he's even talking about. It's very, hard, it's very hard to 
uh, believe you after what you said when this law first came out that Americans are stupid and that you needed a stupid public to get this law through. In fact, let's roll that bite. Listen to this, Jonathan. Here's what you said a few years ago. Lack of transparency is a huge political advantage. And basically, you know, call it the stupidity of the American voter or whatever. But basically, that was really, really critical to getting the thing to pass. So we're stupid, and that's why you were able to pass this, this legislation through. Maria, I deeply regret those comments, which are you taking out of comment, out of context. What's okay, out stop, of context? Stop, we stop, just heard stop, you stop. I deeply regret those comments. Okay, but, but wait, do you deeply regret saying it, or, and, and do you still believe that? Because you said that their stupidity was critical in passing it. So that implies that's something you guys talked about. You talked about, hey, we can play off of that. Yeah, what he's, what he's deeply sorry for is that he got caught, caught saying that. He got caught, caught saying it. it, and of course he means it. Even if he's sorry about it, that doesn't mean he didn't mean it. At that's the how they got it passed. Correct. Say it. What is what out I of context s- about what you said? What is out of context is that I was at an academic conference. Right. Conjecture. There's another one. I am so tired of the academic argument. Right. I'm sorry. But unless the conference was, let's think of all of the outrageous things that we could do to get things passed that are wrong. I don't understand the academic conference bullcrap. It, it, they, they use it all the time. Yeah, though. they think that just because they say it in an academic setting that you can that anything could be said. Well, we know that's not true because it's the academic settings that are giving us safe zones. <laughs> so you can't say just anything. You have to be very careful what you say in an academic setting. About something I shouldn't make a conjecture about. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said that. Okay. That's absolutely true. That doesn't excuse your denying true facts. He never denies that that's how they felt. It's right. just the fact that he said it at and all, the, and, the and tr- now we know. And the true facts are that they said that it would create 400,000 jobs. Immediately. And now he says it has nothing to do with job creation. Well, I guess you're back to the Americans are stupid, mm-hmm. and if the Americans are stupid and uninformed... They'll believe whatever they're told. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, uh, as, as much as I think Gruber's a bad guy, are these points bad points? Uh, if the if American public was informed about what Obamacare was and actually did the research on it, they wouldn't have elected Obama in the first place and they wouldn't have the law. I, I mean, I would he like is to. right that he was able to slam that through because the American people were not calling him out on it. We were here on talk radio. There are many people who did do it, but the overwhelming majority of people just believed they'd be able to keep their doctor. They just believed they were going to get $2,000 off their insurance. They just believed everyone was going to be covered. They just believed it. And because they believed it, it was easy for them to get it passed. They didn't have any opposition other than the crazy right wing, who, by the way, was right on all of it. It's not the American people. I really don't believe. I mean, yes, we all have responsibility. Large swaths of it, though. Yes. I mean, you're right. Not everybody. But wait. We also have a press that, you know, the press, if they wanted to know what happened, they would be doing this interview and say, look, you guys said everybody's going to get 2,500 bucks. Everybody's going to get it. That the cost would go down, that that jobs would be created, 
Now, those are the facts. And here's the audio clip of you saying those things. And they're still not doing that. Right. They didn't happen. Do you know why the Democrats lost? Because of us. Us in the press. We didn't do our job when we heard those. We heard the other side. What did we do? For you, we demonized the other side as crackpot haters. Now it's turned out that those crackpot haters were telling the truth or at least got it right, and you didn't. So I just want to come back to you and and hear exactly, give me something that makes sense because what you just said to uh, Maria Bartolomo doesn't make any sense. Help me out on that. But the press won't do that. The press won't do that. The press, if they are going to, they, they are critical in helping us restore the country. They are critical. But unless they stop having a psychologist on telling people how they're going to deal with the loss of the presidency, they didn't do that for the other side of America. Unless they, unless they start looking at facts no, I couldn't take the, the, the stories last night about Rudy Giuliani, how Rudy Giuliani um, has all of these business deals as a, uh, as a lawyer. His law firm has all kinds of business deals in countries all around the world. And how, are you gonna, how is he going to get away with that? Because he has business interests in all the other, all the other parts of the world. Mm. Somebody said, well, Hillary Clinton. Well, yeah, but Hillary Clinton was raising funds for starving people in Africa. If you really think you can make the case against Rudy Giuliani for having a lawyer business relationship with people around the world, but you are still standing by that the Clinton Foundation is totally clean, I I don't know what to say. I I don't know what to say. You're never going to help us recover. If you can't say, wait a minute, Hillary Clinton, one of the reasons why we lost is Hillary Clinton was one of the most corrupt people the country has ever run. From Bernie, from uh, uh, what's his name, uh, the guy who was stuffing his uh, documents in his underpants. Sandy Burger. Sandy Burglar. From Sandy Burger all the way to the Clinton Foundation to Benghazi and everything else. You, have you spent any time on that? Because the rest, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, all those places, Pennsylvania, all those places you used to tell us, these are the bellwether states. What are these people really feeling? These people are feeling that George Bush was wildly out of touch. Now they're saying those bellwether people are just racists. Stop it. Those bellwether people have common sense. Like you said, I mean, there might be some crumbs of self-awareness like with uh with uh, anderson cooper last night anderson cooper last night i think there are uh, crumbs bill maher of it. the last weekend yes i think the new york times is showing at least the editor yeah. is showing signs he has come out and said we have to find out the rest of the country we have to reflect the rest of the country and not just this new york centric 
point of four view. Four of them come around, well, we might be okay. We've mentioned Selena Zito a few times with her comment of what, the way she covered it. She's been a great reporter for a really long time. She's with CNN that, now. Yeah, she, yeah, but yeah, she's, I mean, everybody loves her all of a sudden, yeah. which is great. I mean, because she was always great, uh, you know, and, you know, she's always had success, but it's like now she's she's got CNN, she's got multiple uh, places are they putting her are, on because she actually took the time to talk to people on the ground and understand who the voters were. They are reaching out. Let's not bite their hand. They are reaching out. Now, some are going to reach out and they're going to try to they're going to try to sabotage and ridicule and everything else. Well, we just know then who we're dealing with. But there are those who are trying to figure it out. Let's instead of expecting them to get it right now, let's help them get it. Let's help them get it. Because without them, we're not coming back together. Goldline was our sponsor last half hour. This half hour is uh, ZipRecruiter. The company you keep defines your company. Who you hire determines how successful your company will be overall. If you find the right job candidates, you're going to be able to pull off the things that you need to do. If you find the wrong ones or you settle, it's not going to work. ZipRecruiter will help you find those people. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post on 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You can find the candidates in any city, any industry, nationwide. You post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. You just screen the candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. It's ZipRecruiter, used by over 1 million businesses, including ours. Right now, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This, this is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Anybody, anybody see the amazing story in the press last night about how angry they were? It was unbelievable. That they didn't, that Donald Trump did not tell them that he was going out to dinner. And they had a conniption. Donald Trump went out to dinner without telling us where he was. He's got to learn he's the president now. It's none of your business that he went out to dinner. Protocol, protocol. That's nuts. You don't have to know everything that he does. He wants to take his family out to dinner. Let him go to dinner. Yeah. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. So, the press and the election. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear from you. But I think this election 
was about people and their fear. Fear that they were never going to, not even their children, they were never going to have a better life than they have right now. Fear that the country was way off track and that the press was not telling us the truth. I want to go over some stats on a recent survey of voters and how they feel about the press, both Democrats and Republicans. This is what the press should be talking about today. And I want to play something that Anderson Cooper said last night that I thought was very self-aware and enlightening for a member of the press. We begin there right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is really where the press needs to focus. And I believe we need to focus. It's where I'm focusing my attention. You know, we all have our own roles to play. And um, I'm trying to focus my attention on trying to reach out with an olive branch and try to bring people that may not have listened to us before uh, to, to the table to listen so we can start having a dialogue. And maybe people that I would not have listened to before, let me listen to them and and hear what they're saying, and see where we can connect. Here's some place where we can connect. This is a recent poll. It was taken on November 9th and 10th of actual voters, so people who went out and voted, and it's taken of both Republicans and Democrats, and I should say independents. Seven in 10, 69% of voters do not believe the news media is honest or truthful. 70%. Eight in 10, 78% of voters believe the news coverage of the presidential campaign was biased, with nearly three to one believing that the media was for Clinton, 59%, Trump, 21%. Even one third, 32% of those who said they were Clinton voters, believe the media was pro-Clinton. That's astounding. So even a third of the people who are on the bandwagon says, this isn't fair. This is, I mean, they're biased. 97% of voters said that they did not let the media bias influence their vote. 8% said they would have voted for Clinton if they believed the media was telling the truth about Donald Trump. They have no credibility, and they don't have any credibility because they've become an organ, because they have become um, completely tied in to the system, and they will excuse anything. You know, it, 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 they've, they've become everything that they accused um, Rush Limbaugh since 1990 of. 
that he's just a Republican mouthpiece. Well, that's what they have become. They have become a Democratic mouthpiece. And you can say they've always been that way, but they've unveiled themselves. They have, there's no way to keep that quiet anymore because of the internet. You can now see and do your own research, and enough people do. But here's the problem. If the press decides to become, I'm left press, I'm right press, you saw what happened. We're not listening to the other side. We don't even know what the other side is saying. We don't watch the same things. We don't even go to the grocery store and buy the same products. I don't understand that. We're all Americans, but we don't even buy the same soap. You can tell just, you know, just through the scans and the metadata, you can tell at a grocery store just by looking at their grocery list. I can take your last four months of groceries and I can tell you pretty much who you voted for. What? So we are fundamentally different. We are no longer e pluribus unum. We are no longer a melting pot. And we have to be. But that comes from us recognizing first what we have done. Recognizing what's happening in our own life and with our own party and the way we deal with people and the things that we have said. Otherwise, we just look like hypocrites pointing our fingers as we switch places because that's what we did. In 2000, selected, not elected. Um, he's, a, you know, he's Darth Vader. Uh, the whole world is laughing at us because of him. Uh, we're in more danger because of him. Uh, the economy is going to collapse because of him. And then we switch places. Then we said it about their guy. And it just got worse. And they were saying the things that we said when they were saying the things that we were saying about Obama. They said the things that we said when we were saying those things as they were saying those things about Bush. That's how confusing it is. I am totally diagramming Wait, that sentence later on today. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you they, know what I mean? Everyone just changes. Everybody just changes. They took the words we said. We took the words they said. Teams, not principles. Teams, not principles. Teams, not principles. And I do believe that we have a chance, but we have to foster this right now. And it is going to mean that right now we give President Trump an an opportunity. I don't want him to fail. I want him to be better than Ronald Reagan. I want him to be better than Ronald Reagan. Right now, I don't know about anybody else, but I have hope. Now, they have despair, just like we had despair when their guy got in. Yeah, but our despair was legitimate. (laughs) (laughs) I think their despair is legitimate as well in many ways. Yeah, Um, you have to, you know, the problem is, and you made this point on CNN well last night, the problem is we are in an era where not only is the president too powerful and able to affect everybody's mood, which is not how it's supposed to be, Mm-hmm. But also, we are just so obsessed as a celebrity culture that we've elevated this position to this gigantic uh, mega celebrity that we're all so obsessed with 
uh, that we can't handle the results when it doesn't go our way. And, and, and I, I think that's partially because of the power. It's partially because, you know, because we went through this kind of in a weird way, I think, than most people did. In that, like, honestly, for me to be excited for an election outcome, that, that ended in May. Yeah, me too. So I watched this as, you know, I, I was watching spectator. it as a spectator. And I didn't have a live or die feeling with the, the, the results of this general election. It was just interesting to watch to me. Um, and it, it put things, I think, in, in a little bit of better perspective. Yes. Because we were able to look without that emotion and... We still want the president to be successful. We still want the policies we want to succeed. But it is a it's something that we it shouldn't dominate our lives. And for so many people, we're seeing it completely on the left right now. It's legitimately the only thing we think about. I I mean, I was on Instagram and I follow some restaurant in Los Angeles. I don't even know how I follow them on this. And they closed the restaurant because the chef said he was too, too sad to cook. (laughs) He was too Sad to cook. <laughs> I mean, I don't. That is. You know, you can't. Did he get fired? I hope. No, he, 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 he closed the restaurant. Wait a, minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's crazy. The day after the election in 2012. Now you didn't say you. You guys were here. That's but right. You guys we were, were so bad that I, I said what you will. But I we said were you here. were here. Yes. But I said you will bum everybody out. So maybe his here. maybe his food would have been too salty because of his tears. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, that, but I understand. I understand. It shouldn't affect you that way. Correct. And I'm not saying it's never affected anyone on the right that way. It has. It, yes, it's it has. People on the left now. It did last time. Um, but it shouldn't. Right. This is a this is supposed to be a small part of your life. So let me play what Anderson Cooper blew up his whole show. I was supposed to be on for one segment. I think it was on for three segments last night. And he was like, I'm just going to blow up my whole show. I, I want to talk to you. This is the last segment. Listen to this. Here in the conversation tonight with uh, with the Blazers, Glenn Beck. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about the fear that some people in America feel tonight and have felt that this this past week. I think back to when President Obama first got elected and, you know, many certainly in the media uh, were following that story very closely. You didn't see a lot of stories on the evening news, you know, the day after President Obama was elected about half the country who were in mourning or upset or angry or fearful, uh, which we, you know, uh, the day after this election, I turned on some television show and they were interviewing a psychiatrist about what to do about the depression and the fear that you now feel. Um, so so I, I preface my question with that, but what, what do you say to people tonight who, you know, for whatever reason, do fear what, what will happen next? I understand. I hear you. I understand. I have felt that way before and didn't feel like anybody was listening to us and taking us seriously. You felt that way when Obama was elected. Yeah, I don't think like I don't think as deeply as people feel that right now. But yeah, Um, you know, we were called people that clean out in our guns and and um, 12 and we just we just felt like, uh oh, what what is this Um, um, now? So I, I felt that way. And then we were called names and then we started calling names and then it just got bad. So I hear you. I understand you. I can relate to how you feel. And part of me feels the same way. And Anderson, I read a story about California saying they wanted to uh, secede from the union, California and Oregon right. going around and wanting to secede. And I remember everybody was mocking Texas when I mean, but Texas has said that since like 1840. So <laughs> it's nothing new with Texas. But um, that's what Texas has been saying. And we were mocked for that. 
here's what I would really like to, to get. The balance of power of the House and the Senate, the three branches of government, executive, legislative, and Supreme Court, that's why that balance is so important. That's why people like me, the constitutionalists, have been saying, don't give the president so much power. The president should not be able to make me or you ever worried about what's going to happen in our personal life. Mm. He might be able to make us, and what is he going to do to our culture? That I understand uh, because of his bully pulpit, but he shouldn't be able to cause this much fear. The balance of power is out. And when the balance of power is right and the government is right-sized, California still can be California. It can be, in my opinion, as crazy as it wants to be. And Texas, in others' opinion, can be as crazy as it wants to be. But we're still brothers in the union, and we're allowed to be ourselves. Do, do you think... Um from what you've seen so far, I mean, it, you know, uh, it, it's there's a there was a fear early on with conservatives about Donald Trump that uh, that, you know, is, uh, more practical than ideological and that, you know, he himself talked during the campaign about, you know, I can be anybody who I want to be. I, when I'm down in Palm Beach, I can be one way in, in New York City in a business meeting. I can be in a different way. I'll be a different way in the White House. And things are in negotiation. Do, does, is that a concern of you that, I mean, and there's something President Obama said, that he's, he's more practical than he is ideological. Do you think that's, that's true of him, and does that worry no, I would. No, I would like a practical president, but I would like to be able to have his practicality based on principles uh, and not just who I'm in the room with. Um, and that, you know, that we wait to see that. Hopefully he's a very practical man. Um, you know, I think Selena Zito said it the best. This is the best explanation of what happened last Tuesday I've ever heard. It was from Selena Zito. And she said, the, um, uh, the people like me took him literally, but never seriously. Hmm. But his supporters took him seriously and not literally. I don't know which way to take him. And only time will tell. When you Only time will tell. When you said Celine for a second, I thought you were going to quote Celine Dion, and then I thought, you know, Glenn. <laughs> no, <that's, laughs> no. How no. are you possibly going to bring no. Celine? Dion My heart will go on. So <laughs> yes. anyway, um, I am not. That was uh, that was Anderson Cooper last night, and I thought that was a, I thought it was an interesting observation from him, saying, "Look, I don't remember that, and this is the way we. I didn't feel this way in 2008. I did feel this way in 2012." Yeah, because in 2012, oh, I... we said, wow, the American people, they do know. They know. Yeah, because it, it felt like it was just a, 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 a out of nowhere celebrity event for Barack Obama in 2008. Not to mention we had no passion at all for Correct. John McCain. Correct. Uh, you know, felt a little bit better about Romney in 2012. Well, I felt better because Romney, Romney, Romney had... should have appealed to the Democratic, you know, uh, middle it should have the Reagan Democrat should have come for Mitt Romney because he is, was very progressive. Right, but Romney is, is clearly more conservative than McCain is. Yes, um, yes, yes. I mean, not that he's ideal by any right. means, but I mean, I was a little more excited about a, a Romney presidency than a McCain yes. presidency. And you just thought more than anything else. You're right. The you people. had the, you had four years of Obama to, to judge. Right. You saw what he did. He jammed these unpopular things down. We had just come off of the biggest wave election in a hundred years. Yeah. I mean, it all seemed yeah. like it was lying and, down. And we had Benghazi, where it showed the president went to sleep, left our soldiers behind. I mean, that was terrifying to a lot of us. 12, to me, was much more terrifying than 08. 
12 was, wow, we live in a different country. And that's what I think the people on the left are feeling. Because they're buying into the fact, buying into the lie that, um, uh, that everybody who voted for Donald Trump is a racist. And that he is a racist. I can say a lot of bad things and have said a lot of bad things about Donald Trump, but I don't believe he's a racist. I don't even know if, if Steve Bannon is a racist. I don't know him. I do know that he has ties that he has encouraged by making Breitbart a, uh, a platform for the alt-right and then described the alt-right as, you know, the, the, the chief thought leaders as these two guys who are spooky as hell. But I don't know if he's a racist or if he's just using those people. Either way, it's bad. But 99% of the people who voted for Donald Trump, that had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. We all need to take a step back and say, okay, what unites us? What brings us together? Because as I said before, no matter who the president is, these are going to be troubled four years. We've got to find our way back to each other and back to reason and to see one another as actual people and not just the enemy. And now this, uh, if, uh, if you didn't have a great night's sleep last night, is it because of your bed? Insomnia, restless sleep, less hours of sleep. When they become the norm, uh, it's usually a sign of two things. You're getting older uh, or you've got a really crappy mattress or both. If you have an uncomfortable mattress or one that traps heat and it, that makes these problems worse, get a good night's sleep. Get a great night's sleep with a Casper mattress. I have one. You can try it out for 100 nights in your home. It was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you're going to sleep cool and comfortable with all the support that you need. Time Magazine said it's one of the best inventions of 2015. So try one at your home for 100 nights, risk-free. If you don't love it, they're going to refund absolutely everything. Go to Casper.com. Use the promo code BECK. Get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com. Offer code BECK. Casper.com. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. though um boy i'm I'm just looking there's oh boy Uh, there's a buzzfeed is uh reporting today that crispy cream uh has been lying to us i and they're being sued i don't even think i want to know about this they can keep crispy cream you can keep lying to me well it's a ridiculous lawsuit the guy is claiming that crispy cream is doing something horrifically awful because they're blueberry donuts which by the way are freaking delicious I just had one the other day. Cake donuts? The cake donuts, the blueberry cake donuts, don't actually have real blueberries in them. Who thought they did? This idiot apparently thought they had real blueberries in them. Now, you bite, they're little tiny specks of blue that are colored. It's just a blueberry flavoring, but who cares? They're delicious. They're donuts. Yeah, and he wants all $5 million. 
Shut up. Because you're going to oh get real God. blueberries in your donuts? Shut up. You know if there were, were real blueberries in the donuts, they would be worse, and then they should be sued. I want more artificial blueberries. I demand it. <laughs> Come on, Trump. Make America great again with that. <laughs> Back in a minute. to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. You know, we're just sitting here talking about Krispy Kreme being sued. And Pat said, you know, they're going to throw this out. I, I bet you no this way. guy gets at least 200000 Absolutely. No, they got to throw it out of court. No way. They won't. That's ridiculous. They won't. I, I, I tend, on this one, tend to side with Pat on that. Because, I mean, they're going to, this is a ridiculous if Krispy Kreme put razor blades in the donuts. He's got a case. If they Putting artificial they, flavoring in the donuts. On the judges. Get I have a completely different point of view now. I've always been. I have always been the guy. You fight it and fight it and fight it. It's yeah. not even your choice anymore. A lot of times, nope. it's the insurance companies. Krispy Kreme has an insurance company for lawsuits. Right. It's yeah. not going to be Krispy yeah. Kreme that decides. And all that. The only thing that decides lawsuits now, actuary tables. <laughs> That's it. They just look at the tables and they're like, hmm, okay, if we keep going this way, it's going to cost us this. And if there's a judgment against it, it'll cost us this. If we settle right now, it'll cost us this. Offer him $200,000, he'll go away. You sound like you might have some experience with that. I do. And it's, it's despicable. It's it is. It's despicable. And sometimes like Krispy Kreme, Mr. Cream. I like to call him I don't think that's Chris, but uh, he he may not they may not even have a choice. It may just go to the insurance company. Yeah, there's a first layer of of litigation yeah. though. Let's they, throw it your your lawyer goes and he says, Your honor, this is there's no If it's a here. frivolous lawsuit, yeah, well. we need we need penalties for frivolous lawsuits. I agree is, with how that. Do you and nuisance lawsuits. I agree how do you with determine that. I don't know. what that is? But, you're, but at, common sense. There has to be. No, there's no common sense anymore. The law up. doesn't. Yeah. I, I'm really, I am Are not the one that believes. Yes. I don't necessarily believe in the justice system anymore. I mean, I just think it is so corrupted by uh, fancy lawyers and there's no common sense anymore. I just, and very I just unfancy don't. lawyers, by the way. I mean, we, we watched a, uh, something on, uh, it was a documentary that some guy put together. Because he kept getting sued by this group of lawyers who were, I think it was a patent issue, if I remember correctly. And so he decided to try to figure out what this was because he, he had, it had nothing to do. He, like, he did something completely disconnected. Like he posted something on Facebook and this company uh, was suing, saying Facebook used some sort of technology that was his. So uh, was the company's. That's so right. they, he, like, he's like, I just posted it. What are you talking about? I just posted it on Facebook. Yeah. I have nothing to do with the way they set up their technology. Had nothing to, yeah. But this guy was going to individuals who posted things on Facebook and saying, we're suing you, we're suing you, we're suing you, we're suing you. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people got sued. And most of them, 
wound up getting to that point where they couldn't fight it anymore. They didn't want to get a lawyer, so they paid out $1,000, $500, and he, they were getting this from all over the place to the point where this guy decided, you know, I, the only thing I can do, because it dragged, dragged on for years, um, was to go and try to investigate this, and he made, like, a documentary of his story, and he went to offices all over the country that there weren't even lawyers in them. The places these were being filed from weren't even legitimate offices. They were just, like, set up, to file frivolous lawsuits and hope people would settle with them. And there is an entire industry. I have a friend who owns a company. Love America. I have a friend who owns a company, and I'm not going to tell you any more than this because I don't want to now be on the lawsuits. Um, but he owns this company. Guy has sued him five separate times. All slightly different. Five separate times. Thrown out each time. He's, his company has been in court with the same guy for almost two years, off and on for like two years. He finally just said, look, I give you $200,000. Will you just sign this paper, say you'll never sue us again and just go away? Yep. And he's just going to go. And he knows. Mm-hmm. It's just going to go. He's going to go to another company and do the same thing. I mean, it's just obscene. It's obscene. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there has to be. That is something that would be great if, if, if they would actually take on. And, I, and, and I don't know what you do. I mean, I know. I don't Europe, think, I have to tell you, I don't think. I think you're going to start seeing lawsuits against the press. I think you're going to start seeing major lawsuits, which will be the worst bone-chilling thing, especially for the... There's someone that said that they were going to open up the libel laws. (laughs) I think you're going to see it. I think you're going to see it. If he does that, you you bet you'll see it. You'll see it. And then it'll be bone-chilling. You will not get the news. No one will ever be challenged. Because then you want to talk about, you know, freedom of speech. There, It just just won't. It will not be there. It will not exist. It will not exist. And, And I think the crowds will cheer. If it was Barack Obama that did it, the crowds would cheer. Oh, if it the was the little darlings who want their safe spaces, of course they're yeah, going they're to gonna yep. cheer. They're, they're going cheer. to cheer. They won't cheer now, but if it was a Democratic president, if it if it would happen in 2020, and and uh, you yeah. know uh, uh, you know whoever, I don't even know who they have. Al Gore <laughs> is president in 2020, uh, and he passed it. Those people would cheer. Right. If if Tom, if uh, Donald Trump passed it, they will not cheer. This is why you have a thing called a constitution. I know, uh, which is supposed to set guidelines that it doesn't matter if one side is pissed off or not. Those things don't happen. Well, and look how the is supposed to be blind. Yeah. Look how the First Amendment is under siege right now. The religious freedom is under siege. The freedom of speech is under siege. Freedom I mean, of assembly. Freedom, of freedom of assembly. to to a, a petition your president. Uh, petition your government. Uh, that's under siege. I mean, the only thing that's not under siege in the first ten is probably quartering soldiers in our homes, and maybe that's coming too. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I would. Th- I might think, be moving in sometime well, soon. I think, quite stuff. honestly, the NSA eavesdropping is quartering soldiers in my home. I have people. Got I have people. I have the NSA in my home. It's a pretty good case. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think it's a violation of the Third Amendment. Uh, and the fourth, and possibly the fifth. I mean, I, I, they're in my home. And they're in your. They're in everybody's home. It definitely seems like the people that uh, Trump is is looking at to a point are going to be more on the Rubio side than the Rand Paul side on that issue. Yes. Um. And uh, so, I mean, I, I would, I would assume that sort of thing is going to get fired up again. Uh, you know, I mean, some it of it is be. It's not down. good. We don't want this for any side. We don't want this 
for any president to be able to have that much power and that much information in anyone's home. <laughs> and we said it over and over during the Obama administration. Eventually, there's going to be somebody in the White House that you don't you like. don't like and you won't want to have this power. You and they, go get nobody those, listened. Well, you go get those from, you know, 08, 09, yeah, 10, to. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and the year 2016. Yeah. I mean, because I know we said that for the last eight years. Don't do this. You don't want this kind of power. Now, there's something else. Do you want to play? Megan Kelly was on this morning, um, and she was on hour one. If you missed it, go back and uh, listen to the podcast. It was really quite fascinating. I it was. I hope she comes back after this tour because she is really um, quite amazing um, and and handled herself really well. What she talked about, what happened to her in the seventh grade, which is in her new book, um, pretty powerful. And, and heartbreaking. And heartbreaking, really heartbreaking. Um, she, you know, in many ways was prepared for this last year. Beginning in the seventh say grade. It's hard to, to feel sorry for a, a beautiful, accomplished woman who's making $20 million a year, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> Not in she was grade. 12 years old. Right. Wasn't the case you really know? when she was, when we first met her at Fox. Right. I mean, she was, that's not who she was. Um, but she is, she's under fire right now uh, for uh, speaking about Roger Ailes and what appears to be the truth about Roger Ailes um, and some pretty overwhelming evidence. And here she is on that. I wasn't sure what the truth was about Roger. Uh, well, you knew what he did to you. Exactly. And that's one of the bizarre things about the story is that I knew my own experience, but he and I had gone on to have nine years of a healthy working relationship. And so in my mind, I had attributed it to he was interested in me. He was having a marital, marital difficulty. Perhaps he was just interested in having an extramarital affair. And I didn't and he know. he was explicit about that? As explicit as you could be. I mean, it was very on the nose. And then it culminated in a physical attempt to be with me, which I rejected in his office. And then I contacted a lawyer. He tried to kiss me three times. Uh, so I rejected that. And when I rejected that, he asked me when my contract was up. Uh, as soon as I left mm. his office, I called a lawyer. And I did bring the matter to a supervisor at Fox News. Years ago. Years ago when it happened to me. And that person vouched for Roger's character, assured me that he was a good man, that he was likely just smitten, and that I should try to avoid him, As which you know. is what I did. Wow. That's totally, and that's totally reasonable. Anybody yeah. who said, why did she come out now? Well, there's, there's her answer. Yeah. And I think that's totally reasonable. Is that what... You know, Gretchen was told. Is that what Andrea Tanteros was told? I don't know. Was every woman who went to a Fox supervisor and said that, were they all told the same thing? I don't know. Pretty amazing. He never hit on, he never hit on me, so I don't know. You're kidding. I know. No, wow. uh-uh. Huh. No, a, as sexy as have, I am. You don't have to be embarrassed anymore. You can tell us. <laughs> no, he really, he, it was strange. I'm like, I'd walk into his office. I'd be like, Roger, take a look at this. And he still nothing. No, and he uh, would pretend to throw up a little in his mouth, and uh, wow. so mm. wow. I don't know what it is. Because I mean, I look at Megyn Kelly, and I'm like, and look at me, right? <laughs> I think right? most of America does that. <laughs> right? That's right. what I'm thinking. Everybody in America does that. Right? 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 No, no, I not don't a, think so. No, not at all. Okay, right. um, I want to talk to you about a, a game that is out. Big Thanksgiving game that you can play. What is Thanksgiving going to be like at your 
You have relatives coming in? Anybody have relatives coming in? Oh, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Fun. Forward to it. Oh, we're man. actually leaving hmm. town. <laughs> are you not going to any relative's house? We are. We are. We're finding a secure location where no one knows where we are, and uh, it's just going to be. I'm even thinking about leaving the kids at home, but uh, I know it'll make it makes the heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. For those who are going uh, or having family come over, and you're spending. Hmm. Just fun, fun. Quality fun time. Times. Uncomfortable political talk. Let's just say that. Can you imagine what dinner table is going to be like for so many people this year? Mm. Fun. How many people are dreading? How many people are like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, here's the thing. Play the game. Say anything. It's a way for everybody to disconnect uh, and laugh together. You get to know each other more. It's a fun game. It's not a stupid board game. It doesn't go on and on and on and on for hours. Uh, it's Say Anything. Now, it's on sale at Target for $10 this week. That's the best price you'll find anywhere. What? It's a good price for that. Yeah, it's the best price you'll find. Have fun with your family. Don't argue with your family. This holiday, get Say Anything. It's on sale this week at Target, 50% off. Good price? Good price for that. Yeah, thank you. That's $10, 50% off, only at Target. The name of the game is Say Anything. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Twitter has just uh, made some pretty massive changes to their rules and restrictions. Yeah, I mean, and they've been talking for a long time about trying to take certain uh, activities like trolls and such off of their platform. I hadn't really done much. Uh, they took some action here and apparently have taken off some pretty big figures. For example, one of the guys we've talked about on the alt-right, Richard Spencer, who's, you know, Breitbart called the center of alt-right thought. Um, they took him off of Twitter, at least suspended him for the time being, um, which I'm sure that's going to make the, you know, the alt-right incredibly happy. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to take it really well. I mean, it's Twitter's platform. They're obviously a private company. Can yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the only um, thing. But, it's a private platform. So as a private platform, you have the right to do that. But it's not, I mean, I am a, I mean, I can't believe, I'm not standing up for these guys, but I am for more speech, not less speech. Yeah, and there's probably a line somewhere with abusiveness. I don't yes, know that I've yes. seen, and I, I will say I don't know, you know. I don't follow him. I don't and follow More speech, not less Trump. speech, is, is definitely a governmental. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, but, I, for instance, but I would still like them to. For instance, yeah. do you know anyone, anyone who is this split, diametrically opposed to themselves as we are? I, I, during the, uh, the uh, election in the primaries, I was very clear of where I stood. Tommy Lahren, she was on Trump TV. Mm-hmm. She was doing things with Donald Trump. She's on my platform. 
Yeah, Sheriff Clark. I mean, spoke at right. the convention right. on right. behalf of Donald Trump. And and I pay those guys. So I believe in more voices and not less. I believe in let everybody say their piece and let the free market work it out. Let people decide. We have to be able to have other points of view coming our way. And anybody who tries to limit that, I, it, it bothers me. It really bothers me. Yeah, and I suppose there's some level of, um, and they've had this in, the, in their plans for a long time, some level of abuse that they... Yeah, and if there's abuse, then that's, you know, again, that's different. Tw- you know, whether tweets are really abuse, I, mean, I know at times... Oh, I think so. It can be, I guess. I um, think they so. They can cross that line. Although, well, you know, I mean, there are times when I believe people have abused Facebook postings, and I've had oh, they've been, and I've said yeah, no, I've you're nothing but an abuser. Bye bye. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, the, you could say bad things about me, and I don't block you. Yeah, you are a serial abuser. Yeah, I, I just like, and oh. you're just there to cause trouble and say horrible, ugly things. Bye bye. I mean, I've never blocked anyone. I'm sure that I have. And, and oh, many, most people, I would say, most people who use Twitter, especially in a public way, have blocked people. I just don't. I honestly don't even know how to do it. Uh, beyond that, Easy I think like that's a different mechanism, right? If you have, if you're right. being abused and you feel like I don't want to hear from this person, you can mute them or block them. That has been there the whole time. Twitter is now taking action on their behalf to say yeah. this person is a, a, a serial abuser or racist or whatever. We want them off the platform. Mm-hmm. That's a different step and, and probably a major one. In, in some, in, a in, major one. With Twitter has been a, a pretty free speech venue, generally speaking. Um, and so that's going to be careful. It's a questionable, it's an ugly speech venue too. You know, it is really, it, ugly. it is. I stopped using Twitter for Nothing a long time because it was I, so nasty. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm not on it. That's why I like it. That's why you <laughs> I like it. At Jeffy MRA. <laughs> all your abuse, all your Peppy, the, the frog pictures. <laughs> all right Jeffy. He loves them. All right. Um, we'll see you tonight in the vault. A look at history and heroes tonight. The vault five o'clock only on the blaze. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.